the miracle ass. <laughs> Good camera work. I want you to fire me, you fucking mark. Greetings, Grapple fans, and welcome to the only space that's safe for all wrestling fans, whether it laps, casual, obsessed, or ashamed. I'm Brett Davis, joined by Rob Bezbody. Just watch the show. Uh, Cue the graphics. Press play. There's the magic finger. Pressing down. Yeah. The Wrestling Club with Darren and Brett. We've got a show that you'll never forget. Again. We are leaving the arena. It is still very much the daytime. Which is a That's surreal right. thing for two it's people. Like we left a matinee movie, but it's AEW Dynamite. Tell me what you thought of this show. It was historic. I thought, you know, I w- look. I'm gonna be. I'm gonna brag a little. I went to Double or Nothing, so I was on the fence about coming to this show because it's like how could it top Double or Nothing? Now it certainly didn't top Double or Nothing, but it was a great next chapter. And I feel like that MJF promo. Like people are gonna be talking about that for years. Yeah. Years. Really. If not weeks. <laughs> certainly days. <laughs> I could guarantee that. Just a few hours. Yeah. Uh, we had Tanahashi debut. That was cool. That was cool. That was fun. Hair looked on point. Uh, Daniel Garcia had a fun match with John Moxley. Yeah, it was good. It was a notable dynamite show. Still going to see House of Black. Yeah, there's a lot, lot of people not on the show. Yeah, the uh, Death Triangle. Lots of guys on the pay-per-view were not. But I mean, there's only so much you could fit in. Your podcast, Squared Circle Pit. Go to squaredcirclepit.com. I interview metal musicians and rock musicians about wrestling and wrestlers about kind of what kind of music they like. And we had a, a, a celebrity sighting, metal adjacent. Oh, yeah. So Tom Morello and his son in the bathroom. Tom Morello asked his son to wash his hands. It's nice. Tom Morello washes his hands. You heard it here first, folks. Yeah. <laughs> Doesn't seem like uh, he's raging against the bathroom machine. Mm. He's following all the rules there. And now, here's our interview with Royce Isaacs of Team Filthy. From the Mile High City, now residing in Los Angeles, one half of 1%, the West Coast rec- Wrecking Crew, a member of Team Filthy, the Mile High Samurai, former NWA Tag Team Champion, former DDT heavy metalweight champion. Definitely want to talk about this. Royce Isaacs, welcome. You're the newest member of the wrestling club. Hey, well, thank you for uh, welcoming in, welcoming me into the club. Uh, you know, I don't belong to a lot of clubs, so it's nice to get some membership here. I mean, I just m- mentioned you, you're like part of multiple clubs. That was part of the intro. Oh, right. Yeah, sorry. You know, I get brain damage sports, so you know, this is short true. memory. This is true. How, how well, that's only like three or four clubs. How many clubs are you in? Well, there's wrestling club. Yep. Some of your clubs are clubs within clubs. Yeah. You know, like yeah. it's like subsets and all this other stuff. And yeah. Well, we're, we're going to get into it. Uh, on this show, we really encourage you to shoot hard. Uh, so oh, I put good. that in all caps in the title. Maybe get some <sighs> Simon Gotch action going here. Yeah. You have such an incredible career. Uh, oh, I you. definitely want to talk about a lot of these things, uh, but but also we're going to watch some clips in a little bit. We've both uh, brought some of our favorite clips. Um, but uh, for for this, I, I I wanted to do something, a new segment. I'm gonna I'm gonna try a beta testing a new segment on you. Let's go. It's called "This Is Your Cage Match." Referring to the yeah, I'll add it's music, baby. Or yeah, baby. there we go. And if you're listening to the audio, I was looking very soft. You, yeah, you you really saw. I it's a I'm talking to a wrestler here. I'm also <laughs> referring to my cat as if he's my uh, sidekick. Cage match, of course, referring to the German website that uh, psychotically categorizes every wrestling event that's ever happened. You know, actually, it, it it's better now, but there's a lot of stuff that's missing. Like if it's like. For whatever reason, it's not on its radar. Not necessarily even some of my, like, what you consider smaller regional stuff, but, like, I think, like, Championship Wrestling from Hollywood wasn't on there for a long time. They're much better now, but it is, it is very, like, crazy how much stuff that they have. Especially, I didn't even know it was a German website, but that's even kind of more wild. They're that, like, in tune. Yeah. Um, 
yeah are there is there anything missing is there anything that you're like why didn't they address my match with Barry Horowitz <laughs> my match with Barry Horowitz uh I'm really sad it's not on it now I uh off the top of my head I can't think of anything but like I'm sure I, I know that they're like they I don't know I think my cage match says I have like under 200 matches or something like that and it's like eh no, I, I surpassed that in like my first couple of years, probably. But I mean, it's fine that they don't have the Taco Fest uh, 2015 in there. That's all right. <laughs> well, th- well, let's let's jump into it. It's not on my list, but I got to know about Taco Fest. Uh, Taco Fest actually is a freaking blast. Um, I mean, there's a lot of different Taco Fest wrestling events, but I'm specifically referring to the one in Denver um, that uh, Nick Gossert from Lucha Libre and Laughs uh, will run uh wrestling at this taco festival every year I, they might have stopped doing that but i know the taco festival still exists the denver taco festival it's like do you want to get like all kinds they have they have all these like trucks pull up and you know there's like super authentic stuff there's like pan asian fusion tacos there's all kinds of uh that going on and then there's also like live wrestling which can be hit or miss with like a non-wrestling crowd but they have enough people there plus it's like uh, only the people that want to watch the wrestling go to the wrestling. It's not like they shut down everything else. So mm-hmm. I find in non-wrestling fan settings, that's always like optimal of just like people who actually want to be there and aren't like, like I did a show at the Coyote Ugly like my first year in, and people yeah. were just like, "Boo, we want to see girls with the boobs on the like the movie, like dance on the bar," and we're like, "How about a body slam?" And they're like, "No." So <laughs> yeah. Anyways, Taco Fest is great. <laughs> Yeah, as as a comedian, I can definitely uh, I, 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 I understand. You you, you know yeah, I ambush ambush shows, we call six. yeah, yeah, shows. yeah. Um, well, speaking of, you mentioned Lucha Libre and Laughs. This is where I want to start, and yes. you know this this is where I uh, our paths once crossed before. Not they sure did. if you how how well you remember this. But this is going back to 2016, Ratio Beer Works. Yes. Uh, it was part of the Crom Comedy Fest. It was Lucha Libre yes. and Laughs. You wrestled Jay Sin. And yes. in your corner was none other than me, Brett Davis, under the guise of Bobby Blaze. Yes. Really YZE. Do you I, have any memories? I, I, I think it was for this match. Didn't I forget the championship? And I had to like cut a promo <laughs> I, I about did like it was a non. According to Cage Match, it was a non-title match. Okay, so uh, <laughs> man, this is the only time this has ever. I'm glad we're actually starting out with this because uh, the only time this has happened in my career. I I got to the show super early. Like I got to the show way before call time, and I'm just chilling. I'm like. Yeah, cool. This you know this match will be great, whatever. And then, like thirty minutes before the actual match, the show's already started at this point. I look at my bag and I realize that the belt is back home, and I'm like, "Oh my god! Like, um, what am I doing with my life? Like, I can't believe the one thing you had to do." Like, so uh, thinking on the fly, I want to say we had like a, like a pillowcase that we. I don't even know what we put in there. We put like electrical equipment in there or something, and like brought it out with me and cut a promo about oh. Oh, you fans aren't worthy to see me in title action. You won't even see the belt. I won't even show it to you. So this is a non-title match. And uh, funnily enough, I like someone came up to me like two years later and was like, "Oh, I remember you were such a good heel. You wouldn't even show us the champion." I was like, "No, nah, I, I didn't have that shit with me. I left it back at home." But uh, yeah, gotta hey, it's wrestling. You just call it on the fly, baby. Yeah, I mean, the, the, for this is your cage match. But I gotta say, in my comedy career, I've never had quite the experience that I had. That's one of the true highlights. So thank you for being uh, part of it. Um, just th- there was a, a little girl and I, I got the, I, I got the feeling that maybe she was a regular and she was sitting mm-hmm. front row and she hated me like more, more than yeah. any heckler has ever hated me. She yeah. just despised me. And I was, I was yes. playing this character who's a baby face, but is very unlikable. Um, yes. And uh, you didn't know me, but you totally went along with it. So kudos to that. Uh, I was pretending to be an active wrestler, but then I, I hurt my pinky. And she was yeah. just so furious. 
And I kept running into her throughout the course of the day and kept trying to give her an autograph. <laughs> she kept like <laughs> it up, throwing it away. Uh, do you have any Lucha Libre and Lefts? What was that exactly? So Lucha Libre and Lefts uh, is the brainchild of Nick Gosser. And it's a combination of uh, wrestling and stand-up comedy where they'll have a stand-up comedy set and then they'll have a wrestling match and back and forth. And honestly, if you're in the Denver area, it's one of the nicest, like the coolest date night you can go to because who doesn't love stand-up? Who doesn't love wrestling? And especially a live show where you're right there in person, it's up close. Um, I actually, since then, lost the championship but have recently gained it back. So I'm still performing for Lucha Libre Last. It's still going strong at the O Theater in Denver and they pack a mean crowd. It's like always a really good vibe there and they have some really good wrestling and they have some really good comedians that come in. And uh, yeah, no, I can't say enough good things. In fact, when I, before I started wrestling, my friend uh, Gabriel just showed up at my house a uh, random Sunday at like 10 in the morning and he knocks on the door. I'm like, what's going on? He goes, what are you doing tonight? And I go, I don't know, probably hanging out. Like, We're going to Lucha Libre and last bitch. And I was like, what is that? That sounds great. And so I went to Lucha Libre and laughs after the show. I talked to the promoter, Nick asked him where I got to go to train. Uh, he told me the butcher shop in Denver. And two days later I was, uh, I was starting my, uh, my wrestling career. So I have uh, a deep seated love for Lucha Libre and laughs. It has a special place in my heart. I, I remember there was a character and I've always wanted to know the whole story about this uh, person, an older gentleman. I want to say he had a name like the Kielbasa King or the the Polish. Oh, the Polish Prince. Yes. Okay. Please tell tell the introduce the audience to the Polish Prince. The Polish Prince is just a psychopath. Um, oh man, I don't know how easy this would be to find. We might have to do this as a clip or something, or if not, just like listeners, you should find this. I, it's like Cole Cabana cut my promo. I don't know if it says the with the Polish Prince on there, but Cole Cabana was doing this series called Cut My Promo, where you just have random like crazy people cut his promos because he didn't want to. It was real fun, and Polish Prince is just like this insane human being that just ah, I'm the Polish Prince. I will crush your bones, Isaac, and like he's. That's just him. Like, he just is that person. You're going against Royce Isaac and my son, Sammy Six Guns. Nope. Wait, that's not the match. That's not the match at all. All right, tell me the match. Well, I mean, you can make it up if you want to. Okay, let's make it up. So you're going against Pat Tanaka. Woo! <laughs> really? Pat Tanaka? In my country, he was nothing. We went Oh, you're, spo you're supposed to be Polish. <laughs> Oh, the Polish prince. I get it now. Well, you an American or are you from northern Mexico? Are you wet behind the ears? Can we use this? I don't know what he's doing now, but he's super old, has this like Van Gogh uh, goatee thing, so much taco meat chest hair, and he just, I don't know like how he even got involved in wrestling. I think he's just like, actually, I think Pat Tanaka got him into wrestling. Because of course, uh, but uh, I don't, he's just like Polish Prince. It's hard, you kind of just have to see him to believe him. So Cole Cabana cut my promo. Polish Prince. It's the one in Denver. It, it's hilarious. Like he's just like he's not a character. He just is a character. You know. I seen you a couple months ago, and I seen Cole Cabana practicing, and I tell you, he is going to take you down. Can you talk about like the partners and stuff? They're going to be four. Who they could be? Who who one of his friends? Who? You, no, you can't promote punk. What are you doing? <laughs> He's not gonna I'm be talking there. Talking about your friends okay. from Chicago. Too bad you're not from the South Side of Chicago. Is it too bad? Bad Bad Leroy Brown was from the South Side of Chicago. I think me and Bad Bad Leroy Brown are two completely different people. But now we start getting on the road, and you wrestled a match in Portland. I'd say your first match against the legend. This is at the Jackson Armory. Do you remember which legend you wrestled in 2016? Fangin' and banging. That's Gangrel, right, right, Gangrel. Yeah. Tell me, tell me yeah. about Gangrel. He just popped up on AEW TV this week. I think Gangrel is criminally underrated. Um, 
first of all, best entrance music of all time. I don't think that's very debate. To me, that's like not like that's open and shut case. Best entrance. Um, he comes out of yeah. fire and spits blood. Yeah, the coolest. Um, but I think in ring he is so underappreciated, and I hope with the AEW stuff he finally gets some of his flowers because he has been really, really good for a really, really long time. Um, he, I, I got to wrestle him actually probably at least five times because I was also wrestling him at this place in Vegas called Paragon Pro. Uh, and we did like a whole feud there. And then, yeah, in Portland. And I'm, I think those are the only two spots, but we like, did, we did it. We had a, quite a few matches and, I mean, he's still going at a high level. I know he had some, like, back issues last year, but it seems like he's on the mend and he's good to go. And, yeah, I, I can't really say enough about, like, how how good he is uh, in all aspects and how, I think, like, underrated and underutilized he is. You know, one of my favorite Gangrel stories, and granted it is the, the brainchild of a millionaire's, billionaire's pissing contest, whatever it is, uh, but uh, – he did a he was added in 2000 you know his his stock wasn't super high in wwf but he was last minute added to a show at msg and uh did his uh was told to really do the spit routine to the crowd and get them drenched in blood it's because they placed donald trump who attended that show uh right in the front <laughs> row and he was like got like the blood sprayed on him so that's probably that's helped, it helped his camp, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, it just seeped in and <laughs> became a part of that fake tan. Um, all right, now let's move to some international stuff. 2017, Nadimasu Act Hall, you wrestled the great Antonio Honda and what it looks like your DDT debut. Tell me about this. Yeah, so that was like my DDT main roster debut. I had done, uh, the DDT DNA Grand Prix the year before, but that was like like a week long tour of the DNA brand, which it doesn't exist anymore. But it's like a it was kind of like their their young lines. A lot of their like top guys now were in there, and uh, that was my like first DDT main roster. So my second tour, um, and yeah, Antonio Honda is for the people that aren't familiar with DDT, it's an amazing universe where they have some of the absolute best wrestlers in the world. Uh, like I, I know Konosuke Takeshita, uh, Takeshita, excuse me. I'm sure I'm going to butcher that again, but um, he, he's like really getting his, his uh, just due now because he's doing an American tour and doing all these top indies and killing it and people are seeing it. But he's, he was there. He's like, he is there. He's like their main guy, their, their top guy. Um, they have people like him. Uh, you know, Kenny Omega came from there. Kota Ibushi came from there. They have these amazing top wrestlers, but then they also have the most zany, craziest comedy. Um, like there's, there's like Dan Shokudino who does this uh, gimmick where he's like, just like humping you in the ring and like pulling your pants down and all this craziness. And then there's like Antonio Honda always will like almost like give up, and then he'll like be like wait, and he'll tell this story about this like little fox character that like runs along, and he'll give this whole like giant speech and then at the end of it he'll like poke you or something like that or attack you um and, and they have, he, so, he'll have the the fox puppet too which yes yes um they've had some insane like they've had everything from Takeshita and tetsuya endo did a 60 minute time limit draw in karakuin hall that was one of the best matches i've ever seen live and then they've also had uh Dan Shokudino and this guy from Big Japan that like always pulls out a gun in the middle of the match and threatens people. Uh, they did like a like that's what everybody person. says. Why don't you just pull out a gun? Well, somebody is doing that. So it's because it's someone else's act. That's copyright yeah. infringement. Um, so they had a match that the first person to get a boner lost. <laughs> so like they're doing all this crazy like. Like, uh, Dino's bringing out all these, like, women in bikinis to try to, like, get the other guy to crack. And then the other guy pulls out his gun and, like, makes one of the young boys strip down naked to get Dino to, like, try to crack. It was, like, probably the most absolutely insane. And then you have to think about that these are all in the same universe where you have 
some of the top wrestlers and they're interacting with these other characters. Like, it's just like, it's, it's, it really is its own crazy universe. And it's really uh, fun and funny and interesting, I think. Yeah, I, 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 I become a kid in the candy store when I ever try to like dive into DDT because it's just, there's too much. It's so overwhelming. There's matches that take place anywhere, anywhere, everywhere. It's just. I wrestled on a train, a moving train. Right, they have these matches on public transportation. How how is that? It was fucking crazy, dude. I uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I just it... in Japan, you're already like an oddity. You're like a big guy, or you yeah. know, American. So you're getting yeah. eyes already. Let alone being like half naked and fighting. Yeah, around. and we're like all putting each other in like Boston crabs and like grabbing for like the guardrail and like that's like the rope break and like people are getting eliminated by like getting thrown off the train and then it like takes off to the next station <laughs> <laughs> that's a logistical nightmare truly how how is uh just adjusting to japan how was that um to me i don't i don't think it was too bad it was it was a lot of pressure especially at that point i was really still young in my career but I, I don't know. I always kind of like live for those like sink or swim moments. Um, so, especially because I've always had, like, I've always loved Japanese culture. And when I got into wrestling, I fell in love with Japanese wrestling. So, to me, like that's always been the pinnacle, and that's always been the goal. And so, I don't know. I, I guess it was like nerve wracking, obviously, being in a, a foreign land. Um, and being there for like a long time and, you know, be, not being around like friends and family and people I can really communicate with well. But then you like, you learn how to like, I, my Japanese is not good at all, but you kind of like learn how to communicate and you make these relationships with people. And I, I can't say enough good things. Like I had the time of my life for sure. And, um, you know, DDT was a, a great promotion for me and, and I always had a great time with them. One of, most famous arenas in the world particularly in Tokyo is Kodokan Hall uh, some people work their whole career just to get a chance to wrestle there it's hallowed ground you actually had the honor of winning a title at Kodokan Hall and uh, I have I have the fi- video footage of this uh, you defeated chopsticks uh, to, to win the uh, Ironman heavy metalweight championship it's much like, if you're unfamiliar, much like the 24-7 championship. This can be defended anywhere and everywhere. Um, I, I think we should just take a look uh, with your match with Chopsticks. Yes. Really wonderful. Really getting in. Oh, I forgot how long this took. Yeah. Three, There's a whole technique two, to it. One. Oh, Unbelievable. I won the championship by killing the chopsticks. This is this belt has been held by Hall of Famers. It's been defended all across the world. Uh, how did it feel to be in the hallowed grounds? And then this is your your uh, match. I honestly, it was like a huge honor. Like I always wanted to win that that championship because of its history. Because um, like such an eclectic group of people, like Scott Hall has held that championship, um, and a bunch of inanimate objects, obviously chopsticks, um, and then yeah, they- I. Did Chopsticks go over? I, I don't know who Chopsticks beat, but did Chopsticks um, go over because you had sort of a, a match you wanted to do with Chopsticks? So the, the deal was, um, so first of all, it, if you're listening to the audio or if you're not familiar with me, I happen to have a big ass. And for some reason, I think Dino just like was like, oh, we can do something with this. So 
I think not that long before the Antonio Honda match, I just get like a message on my line app. It's like a messaging app. And it's like, uh, Dino San wants you to learn to do this. And it was a video of a guy breaking chopsticks with his ass. And so they like explain this whole miracle ass gimmick to me and that I'd be breaking people's arms with my ass, whatever. And so we would do this like demonstration to, to show how my power, the power of my ass where every show Dino would come out, he would explain the miracle ass. Everyone would be like, that's silly. He'd be like, no, watch, pull out the chopsticks. I'd break it with my ass. Some wrestler would be like, that's, you know, that's preposterous. And I grab him and I break his arm. And so it was like a whole thing. But I kept doing the chopsticks thing before every show. And then um, one of the – the person that held before the chopsticks was uh, this uh, Joshi named uh, Yu. And she's really, really talented. And um, she basically had been running around – because the 24-7 belt, like you explained, she'd been running around really trying to avoid all challengers to hold on to the belt. And she hadn't slept in days. And so eventually she runs into the locker room. She's like, all right, I'm safe. She has a little meal. You get the itis after you have a meal. She gets a little tired, passes out. The chopsticks happen just to fall on top of her. She's laid there, pass out. The ref comes in, one, two, three. Chopsticks wins. That's my blood feud, obviously. I kill chopsticks. I win the championship. And then I had the honor because of that. I got to uh, a few matches later was the uh, scramble match for the, the championship. So I got to actually enter Karakuen Hall as the champion. Uh, unfortunately, I did not um, win. I did not leave the champion. But I, I want to say, like, the title changed hands like six times in that match or something like that. Yeah. So it actually, uh, <laughs> Antonio Honda defeated you. Yoshihiko, uh-huh. one of our favorites, uh, yes. another inanimate uh, winner. Uh, Kazuki Hirata, Yuni. Makoto, Oishi, Yu, Miyu Yamashita, Ichiko Hirata, Diego, uh, Dick Togo, yes. and Colt Cabana all won the title that same night. Now, this could have been your Shockmaster moment because you yeah. could have shown up and there could have been like a pair of steel or plastic, even plastic chopsticks. Yeah. That could yeah. have fucked your whole run. I it could have been like if Iron Sheik broke Hulk's leg. I mean, yeah, I, somehow I managed to, I probably had to break like at least 20 different chopsticks over my whole time, like on all these like shows at least. And I managed to always break them. There was like a whole specific technique to it that I had to learn of how to position myself and how to position the chopsticks, how to, but um, I luckily I was a perfectionist about it, got it down and you know, that's why you that's why you practice. You know, you practice how you play and you uh, practice hard. 2018, uh, you, you wrestled in a different uh, foreign country. At the Auditorio de Tijuana, uh, you had a series of matches. Uh, one of them was Danny Limelight and Eli Everfly. Uh, Danny Limelight, somebody you work with closely now, uh, yes. against Douglas James and yourself. On the losing end, but tell me what it's like to work in Tijuana. Yeah, I I think I've had a really lucky experience in that um, my international experience has mostly been in uh, Japan and Mexico, where they have a really, really high regard for wrestling, like culturally. Um, so it's always really cool because they treat you really like an athlete and, um, you know, like, I, don't know, I think in America, it's a little bit like, oh, it's like thought of kind of like a trashy sport versus like over there, there's like a deep respect for it. And um, I had a really good time uh, both in Japan and in Mexico. I just thought um, the fans down there are rabid. They want high paced action. They demand it. And um, if you're if you rise to the occasion, they'll really give it to you. I've, I've had uh, a few experiences in Mexico and the fans are always really really into it and the food's always really good and it's always a great time uh do, do you take in some of the tijuana nightlife when you're down there um no we went right back across the border <laughs> um you know I, maybe uh maybe one of these days but i'm i don't know I'm, uh, it can be a little a little sketchy especially if you don't like i don't know the right areas to hang out with hang yeah. out and whatnot but um 
the arena itself is amazing, and the talent on those kind of cards are always great. Let's move to the Bay Area. Uh, at the Metro Opera House, uh, you took part in a Hood Slam show where you teamed with uh, uh, your partner, Jarrell Nelson, against uh, Ricky Lake and Sally Jesse Raphael. Yes, the Stoner Brothers. <laughs> okay, yeah. This is uh, Rick, Rick Scott Stoner and Scott Rick Stoner. Yes. Uh, why, why were they in, uh, named after 90s talk show hosts? Um, so Hood Slam is uh, a great show. They've been running for, for years now, and they always uh, pack a crazy crowd. Um, they, that's we were, a lot like Lucha Libre and Laos. I think there's a lot of non-fans. That yeah, uh, it's, like, it's like just like an Oakland event. Like People just go to that to like party and hang out and have a good time. There's a lot of craziness. Uh, like a lot of like out of this world kind of gimmicks and there's a lot of really crazy action happening and it's like a really good vibe and I always love doing hood slam. Um, so they have once a year, I don't, it's been a, a minute cause they've been a little bit less regular since the pandemic. Um, although I, I they they do run, they're running again, but every, I think February they used to do a show called Femme Doubt. Um, and so every, all the wrestlers, uh, all the male wrestlers would wrestle in drag and, uh, it was like a show support, uh, you know, it was like a, a, a show support for, for women and like hood slams. One of their big things is being like very about acceptance and, uh, including everyone in wrestling. And I thought it was a great time. Um, I thought me and Jarrell looked dead sexy. There's a picture somewhere on my Instagram. If you scroll around there and, uh, yeah, we wrestled Ricky, uh, Ricky Lake, and uh, who who was the, what was the other uh, Sally Jesse Raphael? Yeah, <laughs> it, it was good. And we, they, I don't know if you know if you can like find the footage because it was like on Twitch, and I don't think they do their Twitch anymore unless they update uploaded it to YouTube. But like, we had a whole like talk show segment before where they were like interviewing us, and it was like, yeah, was... I looked. <laughs> okay, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, well, it's lost time. Maybe maybe somebody uh, c- can show it to us. Uh, but uh, let's move on uh, to Illinois. The NWA World Tag Team Championship is on the line at ROH CMLL Global Wars. You're teaming with Thomas Latimer against Brody King and PCO. And you walk out the NWA World Tag Team Champions. Tell me about this. Yeah, that was a that was a pretty crazy experience. Like uh, Brody and PCO were on this really really hot run, um, the ROH titles, the NWA titles, um, and they were I think they were like just one of the hottest tag teams around at that point. Um, and especially to go into enemy territory um, and win the titles like that was a pretty crazy experience, you know. Um, yeah, like I, it was. Ring of Honor is like one of those places that, you know, I'm glad that uh, Tony Khan has bought them and they're back, uh, but they were like such stalwarts for years. Like it was such a um, historic company. And so to be there and to be, you know, Chicago, which has a rich history with wrestling and to get to do something like that was, uh, I don't know, it felt like a pretty, pretty crazy uh, milestone in my career for sure. PCO. Uh, just from his social media presence, is so supremely weird. Yes. Uh, what is he like backstage? The same. He is insane. Yeah, yeah he's <laughs> he's a crazy guy, but he's been wrestling for he's been really good at wrestling for decades now, and you know he's earned the right to be a psycho. Yeah, I, I remember when somebody was mentioning PCO to, on Chris Jericho's podcast, and they're like, "Yeah, it's it's Carl. That's Pierre Carl Olay." He's like. Wait, what? Yeah. You know, he's he's doing all these insane moves, just like flat back bumps off the top rope to the floor. To the apron, to the floor. Yeah. He's got a glass eye. Like, he only has one eye and he's doing all this stuff. Yeah. And then he's always getting electrocuted on his days off. Yeah. Um, uh, this, this obviously transitions into the National Wrestling Alliance. Uh, you had a match 
NWA World Tag Team title match on the second uh, episode of NWA Power. Uh, you team with Thomas Latimer against Eddie Kingston and Homicide at the GPB Studios in Atlanta. Uh, how is how is studio wrestling? You know, I thought I had a really good experience with it. Um, I had done a little bit of studio wrestling for Championship Wrestling from Hollywood uh, in a, like a similar sense, but those days were really, really crazy because we were doing multiple days in a row of these like really long tapings, but um, the NWA fan base was like really rabid, and it made things, I think, a lot easier for us because when you can feed off that energy of the crowd, um, I think it makes things it makes it translate to the to camera better, but it also translates the actual energy of the match. Um, so like it would be very easy for studio wrestling to be bad if you don't have a good crowd or if it's like a, a quiet crowd or if there's not a lot of people there. But, you know, back, uh, back when I was there, at, at least um, from, from my experience, there was always, it was always a packed crowd and they were always from the first bell until like five hours later. It didn't matter how tired they were. They weren't a tired crowd. They were, they were there for everything. At Daly's place in Jacksonville, the varsity blondes against yourself and Jarrell Nelson. This is the pandemic era of wrestling. Yes. Uh, it's not, uh, yeah. Uh, you had a bunch of these matches on AEW dark. Uh, what was it like wrestling there? Um, yeah, no, that was, I mean, that was a really, um, my, my 2020 was really tough, obviously with the pandemic. Uh, and then once I, um, like things kind of shut down for everyone. And then I was, uh, I asked for my release, got my release from NWA. And then I basically only, I think I only wrestled like one match the rest of 2020. So coming out of that, I got on Bloodsport at the beginning of the year, and then the next thing was uh, these AEW tapings. So it was like I was starting to finally get some momentum, and it was like, oh, wow, this is also a huge stage. And then also it's like there's no crowd, and it's the weird – it's like, okay, this is a huge opportunity. Let's go. And then also like it's kind of really surreal and strange, you know? Um, but I had a, a really good time in Jacksonville. I think now that like fans and crowds are back, it'd be really hard to go back to that. Cause it was so weird. Like it just now, like when you watch those matches back and there's like no real sound and there's, I don't know. It's just like kind of a really weird, like moment in time of wrestling. But uh, I will say AW took care of us really well. Um, they, they paid us really well. Like we got to do some really cool matches. We got to wrestle FTR. Um, I got to have a match um, actually tagging with Danny Limelight against uh, Moxley and Kingston um, so I, I had a great time. Uh, next, let's talk about New Japan Strong. Uh, this past month, you had Team Filthy. That's yourself, Danny Limelight, Jarrell Nelson, J.R. Kratos, and Filthy Tom Lawler against David Finley, Fred Rosser, Tangaloa, the DKC, and Yuya Uimura. Uh, great match. Is, is this uh, your pay-per-view debut? This is a pay-per-view? Yeah, um, yeah. I mean, it's, I mean, I, there's. I guess you've done like, the NWA ones, yeah. Um. Yeah, and like, there's certain promotions that technically run like internet pay per views or whatever. But I would certainly say it was for sure, bar none, the biggest uh, wrestling pay per view I had done at that point. You know, doing a pay per view, and it's like when you're doing the pay per view. Yes, it's New Japan strong, but that's a New Japan pay per view. That's not, you know what I mean? Like, it's like mm -hmm. there, the, when you look at the card, that's a New Japan card, and then there's also uh, strong talent on it. Um, so it's like high pressure. It's crazy. Um, there were some ama absolutely amazing matches that night. I'm really glad we got to, uh, to be a part of that. And apparently, uh, you know, it, it seemed like it was really well received. I know, uh, you know, I, don't read all the comments, but it seemed like people online tended to really like it. And, um, yeah, being in the uh, LA Coliseum was pretty wild. See, like we were, you know, a couple hundred feet from like you, the locker room, you come out and if you went to the right, there was the state was stadium was literally right there. Like the, the stands and everything. And then if you go to the left, that's where the entrance was to the ring. So yeah, no, that was, um, 
that was a really cool experience. And, you know, like, I think, like, it was, it was kind of crazy because that Friday, the, so the day before, Jarrell, my tag partner, had uh, dislocated his shoulder in the match. So he's, like, fighting through that. And it's like, let's, you know, we got this. Let's go. He's, like, nursing that. We're fighting through it. And then, um, yeah, like, being in that environment, I think um, if there's any hip-hop heads out there, I want to say one of the members of Griselda, I think maybe, like, Benny the Butcher or something like that was in the crowd, like, front row or something like that. So, yeah, it was uh, it was pretty cool. Yeah, these LA shows, I'm, I'm sure Championship Wrestling from Hollywood was the same. You really never know who's going to show up. Um, I remember seeing Glenn Danzig at <laughs> GCW. And, and stuff. Yeah. It's just, yeah. And who, who's, like the, who's like the there's craziest like a, person? Oh, sorry. Oh, I was going to say, there's like a photo from one of the blood sports in LA that's like, Josh Barnett, Minoru Suzuki, and Glenn Danzig, and I'm like, that's yeah. quite the trio, you know? Unbelievable. And I, I think, and I think uh, Ryan Keeley, the adult film, uh, the uh, <laughs> hotel documentary actress, was also there. It was like, what is this locker? This is crazy. Yeah. Who do you do you have like a memory of like? Oh, I'm wrestling in front of this person. Oh snap. Um... Or even a, like, would that get in your head? Is it like, you know, just like? No, I, I don't. I don't think so. I'm. I feel like there's someone recently that I somehow am blanking on, but uh, I've had I've had a show where Becky Lynch was front row. Uh, I've had a show where uh, actually regularly at uh, West Coast Pro, um, Lars from Rancid uh, usually goes to those shows. Um, yeah, I don't know. I'm trying to think. Like recently, I want to say someone was like, "Oh, so and so is in the crowd," but uh, I don't know. It's, it's, I'm drawing a blank right now. But yeah, I mean, that is one thing that I think is pretty different in Denver that like just happens uh, out here in LA a lot, which is pretty cool. Although now that I say that, when I was like the most green still, like I barely was getting on shows in Denver. Um, this is got so this is like 2015 probably. 2014 or 2015 and I was on uh, a show in Golden, Colorado and I looked out into the crowd and this is at least a couple of years before she got into wrestling. Uh, Shayna Baszler was in the crowd. I want to say maybe like Marina or something. She was with one of the other like four horsewomen or whatever. I was like, oh, snap, that's Shayna who we actually uh, then had our uh, WWE tryout in 2016 together. Wow. Yeah. yeah. How, how, is, how is that? Is that just like thrilling or is it nerve-wracking or is it kind of a combination of everything both yeah absolutely it was it was pretty crazy and you know i think that i was definitely too green and not ready for that kind of a responsibility yet so like things happen for a reason i do the i want to say like i had that and then i had a week and then i had my first ddt tour right after that and i think if they had been flipped maybe i would have handled the pressure a little bit better because um i would have been okay, I just came out of a super high-pressure situation and also wrestling these amazing wrestlers in Japan. Now I can hit... But, but at the same time, if I had gotten signed to WWE back then, I don't know if it would have like worked out better for my career. I might have gotten signed, done nothing, gotten uh, dropped, and then just been like, ah, I guess I'm done with this. Versus uh, kind of this like slow, steady climb. Uh, I've had to, I've gotten to have this really, I think, eclectic and interesting career, and it's made me really appreciate where I am now, uh, versus just like having like a faster meteoric rise or whatever. Yeah, and the next month is going to be very interesting in the world of wrestling. Forbidden Doors coming up. You're part of New Japan Strong. Uh, yeah, it's it's a a great time to be a wrestling fan. Um, if something crazy happened, we recorded this before Double or Nothing, but <laughs> there's just interesting stories flying around. Um, yes. But uh, now let's 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 transition into some of these clips because you sent some of my favorite clips. Uh, uh, this is our segment we call Big Show and Tell. All right, so you you sent uh, this uh, great Scott Steiner promo. Um, yes. Do you want to set this up? Do you want to give the storyline context? <laughs> so, okay. I guess this is how I'll set this up. Is I might be the world's biggest Scott Steiner fan, and that's like 
the totality of his career. Like to me, the Steiner brothers are the best tag team of all time. And I don't know what other argument, like if you, if you have a different one, that's fine. You're allowed to, you know, think otherwise, but I don't think there's any tag team that even comes close. Um, the athleticism that he displayed early in his career was absolutely insane. He was doing this crazy innovative stuff. No one else was doing. And then you have like his later career where he is an absolute psychopath doing all this crazy stuff on the microphone. And he's just like, I mean, he's like demolishing a Shoney's, you know, like it's the overall entertainment of his entire career is just like, absolutely wild to me and i got to uh tag team with, with him at nwa so that's pretty cool oh how was that it was absolutely insane but it was absolutely wonderful and a, a dream come true and you can see i'm just like cheesing on the sidelines there like oh my god this is happening so he, yeah no he's uh so he's the man. Watch, even now yeah all right so let's yeah, take a look entertainment at, uh, pure entertainment absolutely and th- this is that period of scott steiner's career when he was like you know what? Let me really lean daddy. in. Let me yeah. lean into this. So yeah, here, like he's just going talking. crazy, saying crazy stuff. It's awesome. And I'm gonna quiz you to see if you could say if you could tell me what he said. And I yeah, know for a what. fact you're not gonna lay down for this guy. That's what I mean, Gene. I don't lay down for nobody. And whether I leave here world champion tonight, it don't matter because it's not gonna change my focus on getting even with Goldberg for fracture in my face and a far ball, Goldberg. I'm going to get even for you, fraction in my face, and I'm going to prove to you that I'm the man with the largest arms in the world. I'm the genetic freak, and size does matter. But that statement, Mean Gene, comes true whether I'm in the ring or out of the ring. See, when I have my freaks horizontal, they understand size. They appreciate size. Wait, what did he say? <laughs> when I have my freaks horizontal, they understand size. They appreciate size. Okay, okay. And size does matter. And they know that they don't have to wait for the Earth to rotate on a 47-degree axis so the stars can touch the sky and create an equal axis so they can see the Big Dipper. All right, what was that? You don't have to wait for the Earth to rotate at a 47-degree axis and the stars do align and form an equinox to see the Big Dipper. He's a poet. No, no, no. All they got to do is call the Big Papa. Because I'm the man with the Big Dipper. And satisfaction's coming when I go behind and do the bump and grind. And it's only a matter of time because they call me the Big Bad Booty Daddy. So Goldberg, realize this. I only care about two things in this world. My freaks and my peaks. And when I beat your bald ass down at Fall Brawl, and I'm about to put you in the Steiner recliner, I'm going to whisper in your ear, size does matter, bitch. <laughs> Jesus fucking Christ. <laughs> it's the greatest problem. They aired that on television. It's yeah. absolutely insane. It's at what point insane. in your career, if ever, do you think you'd get to the point where you're just like, I'm going to start cutting promos about my Big Dipper and fucking doing the horizontal freak or whatever. Next Lucha Libre and Laughs, June 24th. (laughs) (laughs) I actually, funnily enough, uh, so when I first started out, for a while I did uh, bleach blonde hair, and part of the reason I did that was one of the shows that I was on, uh, a smaller regional show, they would do a Halloween show where it would be like, Obviously, we're still ourselves, but you would, like, cosplay, you dress up as someone else. And um, I wrestled as Scott Steiner, and I was like, oh, I kind of like the blonde. But uh, after the match, so I do, like, I basically did, like, a Steiner match uh, with this guy who was wrestling as, like, MVP. And after the match, I got on the microphone, and I cut that promo, like, word for word. And the crowd ate it up. I was like, "This, I, this is why you cut promos about the Big Dipper. They like this. Unbelievable. Uh, that's yes. inc- Yeah. I, you know, he doesn't get the credit because they are unhinged and they are crazy. And a lot of times he's not making total sense, but yeah. he makes sense more of the time that people give him credit for. He like, there's something there that, yeah, he like makes more sense. And also like, I don't know. I think that he doesn't get uh, enough credit for like, there's a lot of people that can do the more straight guy stuff. There's a lot of people that can do some like, more comedy stuff. There's a lot of people that can be like tough guys. 
there's not a lot of people that have had careers where they've been to the extremes of all of those things. They've been to the top of tag team wrestling. They've been to the top of singles wrestling. I think for whatever reason, he's just not in like the, like the, the cool kids club, quote unquote, of like some of these other guys that, uh, that do get their reverence and whatever. And I think Steiner like legitimately really should be held to a, held in a much higher regard than he is. This is one of my favorite uh, clips. Uh, this is him on a, the the in the short lived uh, TNA offshoot Rinka King. Um, <laughs> oh no! Wait, wait, let me find this. Yeah, uh, doing the full Bruiser Brody, <laughs> terrifying human beings. Unbelievable. He's, he's a master of the craft. For real. Um, another master of the craft. Uh, this is a clip you sent me. Is the dirt bike kid. Um... Dirt bike kid. I like that you said he's the master. Yes, he is the yeah. master of the crap. Uh, dirt bike kid. Yeah, you might uh, know him from wearing full dirt bike gear in the ring. Um, he has had a le- legendary feud with Sabu, um, and he also had this match uh, with the great Sasuke. So let's yeah. talk about this match because it is one of the more legendary uh, shoots in wrestling. Yeah, so I could be wrong. From what I understand, is basically this is Dirt Bike Kid's big opportunity. He they sent him to Japan, and he's going to do this match with Great Sasuke. And I don't know if he thought he was going to win, or like what is the, like I'm not sure exactly what he thought was going on or what was going to happen. But he was apparently really upset about the match. And proceeds to kind of just go into business for like you'll see he just does all this shit at the start. There, yeah, there's our hero. Look at him. Woo! <laughs> fucking not just crazy. full dirt. If you're not if you're not watching this, if you're listening on the podcast, he's not just in full like dirt bike gear. He's got like the accoutrements too. He's got goggles and like plastic. Uh, I don't know he's got the like the serious like I'm gonna do like a giant jump like dirt bike stuff like i yeah. like need to protect all my like it's like a full chest protector like yeah. like the knee gimmicks like it's crazy and he's got a mask thing yeah when you're in a ring with somebody up. who's dressed like a ninja and you look like the silly one <laughs> <laughs> real talk um and then he refuses to go down for sasuke's finish so sasuke makes a new finish on the uh, fly it's quite nice yeah, this is uh, Jason Harrison, also known as the Heart Attack Kid, or the Shark Shark Attack Kid. Shark um, Attack Kid. You know more about him than me. That's crazy. Yeah, I didn't. Uh, I wasn't super aware of his career. I think this yeah. was kind of like the end of it, though, I assume. Like, he was kind of done after this. Yeah, this is a match in Michinoku Pro. Um, that's, you know... Yeah. I, 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 I'm not the technique expert like you are, but... I mean, he's, just, he's he's obviously, like, a talented guy. I think it's more of, like, a, I don't know, attitude kind of issue. And, you know, he's uh, he's just trying to do his thing here. Now, Sasuke, that's the spinning kick, and he's supposed to be dead. Yeah. I'm trying to get to the, yeah. So this is the, the kick. Oh, yeah. And he won't go down for it. He's like, nah, I'm not doing that. Now is he just green or is he like really No. No, yeah. he doesn't he doesn't want it. Yeah. So if that's the case, if you don't wanna, you know, I guess you can just get kicked in the face for real and oh that that doesn't feel too great, does it? Yeah. And oh. Sasuke's not like an unsafe worker, you know. He's he's not a big guy. He's not a bully. I he's a but he's but he's like... he's tough and if you're gonna just not go along with things, then uh, you can get choked out for real. And yeah. he's really, ta- he's like, oh, no, no, no. Oh, sorry. Oh, Held on to that That's... choke for quite some time. Uh, Keith Elliott Greenberg uh, told us that back in the day, that that sort of, I don't know, that choke, uh, 
That that is guillotine. What, yeah, that that is what they tell the the guys that whenever somebody would question the legitimacy of wrestling, you throw them in that and they pass out. That's how Richard Belzer got. I, I was gonna say yeah. Hulk Hogan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and it's like yeah, you like I, I, the the funny like I don't know. Obviously, uh, Hulk has uh, you know he's done some fucked up shit and. But outside of that, just uh, the Belzer incident alone, just talking about that, I think he got a lot of flack and was demonized for that. But it's like, you're going to talk all this shit about, oh, wrestling's fake, all this stuff. It's like, well, how do you expect someone to react if, like, if someone came to your job and shit all over it, on, or you, you're on national TV and someone's shitting all over your job, and you're just supposed to sit there and, like, oh, yeah, no, okay, great, it's fake. It's like, well... You get put in a hold and then you get choked out and then you're going to be the victim. Like, I don't know. That's just, it doesn't sit right with me. Yeah. Uh, you know, messing with people's life less. And, you know, he, he, uh, he won a lawsuit and got his own, uh, house that he called Shea Hogan or something. Yeah. And yeah. And he went on to be a character on law and order SVU or whatever. And you know, good for him, but scummy yeah. to me. Uh, there obviously we lost Great Sasuke. We're watching his funeral. Um, yeah, <laughs> there is a really great Great Sasuke uh, documentary um, on uh, on YouTube that just shows him. You know, he, he got into a career in politics, and there's just him like vacuuming with his mask on at home. Uh, oh, him yeah. like going door to door in his small town that's like you know three hours north of Tokyo or something. But uh, here we're, we're looking at his funeral. Um, we've got Grandin Niwa uh, also wearing his mask. Yes. Um, have you seen this? I don't think I have. Or if it, it's been a while, if so. Yeah. Uh, and we've got various dignitaries of uh, different promotions coming to pay their respects. We've got Ghetto and Jado here. Um, <laughs> uh, this is one of my favorite weird in Japan clips. I never quite knew the context. I don't think I needed to. <laughs> um, uh, we were lighting our cigarettes with the candles here. Uh, this is an all-star showing. Um, Honestly, yeah. Sasuke's funeral. Um, who, who would you, if you had the choice, uh, we've got Coming up here, Grand Hamada, Ayako Hamada. Who would you like to be at your wrestling funeral? Oof, that's a I mean, Scott, Scotty is going to deliver a eulogy, of course. Yeah, I definitely want him to deliver a eulogy where he somehow, in like he's talking about his Big Dipper and fucking his freaks, and then brings it back to, but like we're all really sorry about Royce and he, you know. We're here to pay our respects. Um, I think, uh, you know, Dak Draper would definitely be uh, be there. I think, obviously, Jarrell Nelson, my tag team partner, would have to be there. Um, you know, it'd be cool if we could get Gangrel to maybe, like, you know, he could do his entrance and spit blood on my coffin or something. Um, hey, well, is this, is this going to be a, a – a, uh, are, are you are you Catholic? Are you Jewish? Are you agnostic? Because we might have a crucifix situation that we want to avoid. <laughs> I'm I, I'm I'm Jewish, uh, but my dad, my mom's Jewish, my dad's Catholic. I'm so I'm Jewish, but um, you know, so we could do like a half and half. But yeah, I don't know how uh, how Gangrel's going to feel about that. Um, uh, so maybe yeah, maybe feel. we'll just go with <laughs> yeah, we'll just go with. Let's go with the uh, the Jewish funeral then. Uh, okay, yeah, yeah. For, that's for, a, that's for, a good uh, that's a, that's that's a good a good uh, question. You should ask you should ask every wrestler. Oh, you should ask every wrestler who their six pallbearers would be. That would be a good Ooh, good rest, yeah. like who your wrestling pallbearers would be. Ricky Fuji uh, has some words to say. Yeah. <laughs> Canned by Ricky <laughs> Fuji. He's gonna throw that cross up. Um, oh man, that is wonderful. Yeah, and not uh, would you have the Mister Paul Bearer? Would he would he be running the services in your ideal world? Uh, 
Oh, man, that would actually be pretty amazing. I mean, because he, like, actually could do that. Like, that was his actual job for a while, so. Mm. I think yeah. there's a choice, though, if you if you want Percy Pringle to run the service or if you want Paul Bearer to run the service. Because Paul Bearer's just going to be staring at the corpse, weirding out your family. Me, personally, I would I would go with Paul Bearer. But, you know, that's because it would be more entertaining. Yeah. And you only get one funeral, so you might as well make it fun. Well, Great Sasuke made this funeral fun. Let's 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 tune in. <laughs> Everyone's crying. Everyone's crying. <laughs> I don't know what Grenini was doing exactly there. Again, we have dignitaries from all the Japanese pro promotions labeled as such. And I'm sorry to end the show on this sad, sad clip. Can you translate that? No, I can't. Oh, and now we have the legend Antonio Inoki. Making his presence known. Oh my God. He's obviously you know, not, not the not the imposing figure he used to be. And uh, obviously showing the respect. <laughs> Would you get in the Inoki slap line? Yeah, why not? Yeah, same. <laughs> no idea what's going on. What a segment. That's... You know what? I like that was like the... Um... I feel like that was the Japanese answer to like every like wrestling wet wedding segment. That's like always kind of like ridiculous, and then like it gets ruined and whatever. Like I kind of like that better because like a wedding, you're like, oh no, it's ruined. Now it's kind of like sad. But like a funeral getting ruined by Great Sasuke actually being alive is like, oh, it's ruined. Oh, but that means like he's still alive, so that's cool. You know? Yeah. I mean, that was not the actual Antonio Inoki. That was a. Uh... That was a yeah, smaller. No, did not have the. It was a small Antonio Noki, but not the small Antonio Noki that we've referred, we've talked about on the show. Antonio Koinoki. Uh, that was just another guy. There's multiple small Antonio Nokis running around Japan, but uh, Noki already had his funeral, so maybe this is something that you can consider. Um, yeah. As as you climb the ranks, earn that respect. Maybe adopt the slap line. Adopt the pre-death funeral. Um, you know, you've got the career for it. So, uh, I'd like to thank you for being on Wrestling Club. No, I'm. Thank you for welcoming me to the club. Uh, as I said, I, you know, this is like the only club I belong to. So it's really uh, quite tell the honor. Tom Lawler that. <laughs> what would he wear to your funeral? He he. What is his? He'd uh, have Daisy like Dukes that? for sure. Yeah. it'd be some like Daisy Dukes with some kind of like string tassels attached or something like that. Yeah. Oh man. Tom, I would also like if we could somehow transition from like Scott gives like a first speech and then Tom gives a second speech, that would actually probably be pretty ideal because Tom is definitely a master of the microphone. And uh, yeah, Team Filthy Leader, salute. All right. Well, uh, do you have any uh, shows you want to plug? Any matches that you're excited about? No, I just, uh, you know, uh, New Japan Strong, New Japan Strong, New Japan Strong. If you're not catching New Japan Strong, then I think you're really missing out because I I think it's probably the most underrated product going in wrestling right now. 
we, this locker room works its ass off. There are some really insanely talented, hardworking guys. And I think the product speaks for itself. If you give it a try, I think you'll be hooked. So, um, you know, it's on fight. It's on new Japan world. Check it out. New Japan strong is what I'm all about. And I'm going to keep representing for new Japan strong. And now I sound like a broken record, but like, I really passionately feel that way. So, um, Thank you for, for having me on, and it's really nice to kind of like – I don't stop and smell the roses enough, I feel like, in, in, in my career, but it's nice to look back and to kind of be reminded of some of this really cool stuff that's happened along the way. Well, thank you so much for doing this. Uh, your career is so impressive, and it's you're just starting still. So uh, I'm really uh, excited to see what's coming coming your way. Hey, thanks so much, Brett. Appreciate you, brother. The Wrestling Club with Darren and Brett. We've got a show that you'll never forget. forget, forget.